Hello and welcome to the Flying Frisbee podcast with me, Dominic Frisbee. As always, you can read today's article, you can listen to today's article, or as some like to do, you can read and listen at the same time. And today's article is called The Rise and Fall of UK House Prices. Everyone's favourite subject, unveiling the dynamics of debt. Before we begin today's piece, a quick reminder for those who might find themselves in the Scottish neck of the woods this August. I'm doing one of my lectures with Funny Bits at the Edinburgh Fringe this year, and it is all about gold. It's from the 4th to the 20th of August at 2pm. Please come if you're in town, and there is a link in the article where you can get tickets and a little bit of history for you. It takes place in the room in which Adam Smith wrote Wealth of Nations. How about that? Hopefully I'll see you there. And if you'd like me to speak at your event or to advertise on these pages, please drop me a line. Right, house prices. Despite being built of bricks, a house is in many ways a financial asset. This is because for the most part we use finance, debt to buy real estate. Mortgages, a.k.a. death grips, that's what the word means, have been around for hundreds of years. Debt has been around since before human beings settled on the fertile plains between the Tigris and the Euphrates. But mortgages in the UK only hit the mainstream in the 20th century. First, after World War I, following Prime Minister David Lloyd George's 1918 promise to build homes fit for heroes, and then probably more so in the 1950s and 1960s, as the Tory government reduced stamp duty and uh, lent money to building societies as part of its pledge to create a property-owning democracy. In the 1950s and 60s, home ownership went from below 30% to above 60%. On the one hand, the mortgage enabled many people to get on the housing ladder in the first place. The financing also enabled more properties to be built. But on the other hand, introduce debt into a market, you introduce more money into that market with the consequence of higher prices. See student loans for more details. If house prices were determined only by the amount of available cash, they would be lower and more in line with earnings, but they are not. House prices are determined by the amount of debt that is available, which is in turn determined by the cost of money. Interest rates, in other words. General risk appetite and so on. That is why prices are now so out of kilter with earnings. Once upon a time, and not so long ago, house prices were three times earnings. Now in London, they are north of ten times. The widely accepted view is that houses are unaffordable because we do not build enough, and this has led to a shortage of supply. And the stats I would always call on to counter this argument are that between 1997 and 2007, the housing stock grew by 10%, but the population only grew by 5%. If house prices were a function of supply and demand, they should have fallen slightly over this period, but they didn't. They rose by more than 300%. The cause of house price rises is the unrestrained supply of something else, money. Mortgage lending over the same period went up by 370%. I was just doing some research this morning as those numbers are so out of date, but the latest numbers do not tell such a different story. 
in the 10 years to 2021, the housing stock in England grew by just above 6%. The population grew by a similar amount, 6.5% in England and quite a bit less, 1.4%. In Wales... But average UK house prices over the same period went from 167,000 to 270,000, more in England. Mortgage lending, meanwhile, more than doubled, from 153 billion to 316 billion over the same period. The relationship between money supply, aka credit, and house prices is obvious. Research by think tank Positive Money shows that over 50% of the money created Uh, by banks when they lend, now goes into mortgages. All that newly created money going into a market where supply is constrained by planning laws will inevitably push up prices. These two charts from Positive Money illustrate the relationship between credit creation and house prices. And you can see both of those charts, one's for the UK and one's for London, you can see them both in the article. Now, I'm not saying population growth doesn't affect house prices, it does. So do dumb planning laws and the restrictions they place on new build, but neither to the same extent as money or credit supply. Even the Telegraph admitted this yesterday, albeit accidentally saying the jump in house price cuts corresponds directly with the doubling of mortgage rates. The Bank of England doesn't factor money supply or house prices into its measures of inflation. It only includes a basket of consumer goods and services, These goods and services are prone to the deflationary forces of globalisation and increased productivity. That is to say, the shirt on your back has got a lot cheaper because it is now made in Bangladesh, where labour is a lot cheaper than it was in Manchester or ever it was made a few decades ago. Thus, the bank has been able to say inflation is low for decades. It has kept interest rates too low for decades. Money has been too cheap for decades. People have borrowed for decades and house prices have risen for decades. Of late, we have hit something of a deflationary limit, albeit a temporary one. First, COVID-19 hit supply chains and that has pushed up prices. Second, the trend is towards more, not less government intervention, regulation and taxation, which also puts upward pressure on prices. Third, where does the world go now to find cheaper labour than in Bangladesh or China? Africa, maybe, or machines? But for the time being, we have hit peak cheap labour. Thus, inflation has spread, even by the bank's measures, and it is forced to raise interest rates. Rising rates push up the cost of borrowing. Many that have borrowed can no longer service their debts and so look to reduce their debts or offload the assets they have borrowed against. This puts selling pressure on the market. Rising rates reduce people's appetite to borrow, the amount they can afford to borrow and banks' willingness to lend. This takes buying pressure out of the market. The result is the panic we now have in the housing market. Falling prices, bearish sentiment and more. A third of all listed homes are now discounted. But at 5%, the Bank of England base rate is still too low. Its own measures say inflation is 8.7%. Trueflation has it at 11%. If you can borrow at 6% and real inflation is 11%, in a way you're making 5%, though few will see it like that. What happens if rates go to 87 or 11%? It's not like it hasn't happened before. 
I'm now 53. I've watched and been dumbfounded by the UK property market for too long. It is awful what it has done to this country, in my view. Pricing out an entire generation, reducing family size and all the rest of it. For years, every other government policy, it seems, is aimed at propping up the market rather than letting it correct. That makes me reluctant to go all out bare in the way that many have done and call for 35% corrections in the housing market. There are two ticking time bombs, however. First, the bank really does lose control of inflation and we get some kind of currency crisis. This would tie in with my cycle Frisbee's flux, which suggests we could see lows in sterling next year. Second, the sheer number of fixed deals that are coming up for renewal in the next couple of years. This will see something in the region of 2 million households faced with mortgage repayments of at least double the level they were when the original deal was taken out. See the chart below. Many are not going to be able to meet those repayments. The Office for National Statistics says 50% of UK fixed race mortgages were fixed below 2%. Forced sellers will quickly drive down prices. The government will no doubt find ways to prop up the market. It knows this is coming, but housing markets move slowly. Housing crashes are only called crashes in retrospect. I think houses almost certainly get cheaper before they get more expensive again. If you're looking to buy a home, unless it's really urgent, I would find an excuse to wait. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back with another podcast very soon. Um, please rate and review this podcast on apple podcasts or whichever podcast platform you're listening on i gather that helps a lot and hopefully i'll see you this august uh, in edinburgh at um, the edinburgh fringe doing my lecture on gold at pam your house until then goodbye